Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. There we go. We have sound. Luke chapter 10. You know, it's great. Uh, you did a great job with that. Um, that's really awesome to hear it, uh, hear more than just two parts of it at a time. <laughs> hear it all kind of come together. That's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you, guys. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, boys and girls, ages four years old through kindergarten. You may go to Children's Church now. The rest of you should have received an outline in your bulletin. If you did not, if you'll raise your hand, uh, one of our ushers will get you one of those here momentarily. So just keep your hand up, and uh, one of the ushers will get you one of those. How many of you, when you were a kid, used to walk to school or walk home from school? Anybody ever walk home? Okay. A lot of the, a lot, lot of the, I'm, I'm not going to say, it's a lot of older folks. All right. All right. I just saw a couple of homeschoolers raise their hands. So that's not right. Okay. <laughs> that is not right at all. Yeah. Eli, you got a long ways to go, son. So when, uh, when I was a kid, used to walk uphill both ways in the snow, right? I, I get it. I get it. So you too, John, huh? There you go. My dad did as well. My dad was, my, now, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I hadn't even started yet getting a little off track here a little bit, but um, my dad was a troublemaker. I know I don't have any troublemakers out here and stuff. And so uh, my dad would walk to school, but uh, my, uh, his, his stepmom would have to call and make sure he got there. Because he would take some diversions. And, uh, and believe it or not, he wasn't often doing mischief. He would actually go working in the field. He'd go. He, he just hated school. He loved to work. So he'd go and he'd go to, I forget the farmer's name, but he'd go to the farmer's house. He'd work there all day and then walk home in the evening. So it was kind of funny stuff. But uh, when I was in uh, elementary school, kind of in that middle part of elementary school, third or fourth grade, um, we lived not that far from my school. Uh, it was less than a mile and so forth. So I would walk home. My mom would drop me off in the morning, but I would walk home from school. Of course, I felt like big stuff, you know, all of a sudden being able to walk home from school. And of course, that was a different day than we live in today and a lot safer day and so forth. But I would walk home from school. And my, the first thing that I, my mom said, as soon as I got home, I was to go inside, go to the phone. We didn't have cell phones back then. All right. And uh, go to the phone, pick up the phone and call her at work so that she knew I got home safely. So every day, that's what I did. I walked home from school, went inside, called because both of them worked. My mom and dad worked. And so I pick up the phone, call mom, tell her, mom, I'm fine. And then I'd be kind of alone the rest of the afternoon until they got home. But one day uh, I uh, walked home from school like normal, went in, into the house, uh, went to the phone, picked up the phone to call mom. And while I was on the phone, I noticed something a little odd out the back window. Uh, we, in fact, not only did we not have cell phones, but we had, boys and girls, we had phones with cords on them, okay? We had, actually, fortunately, on our kitchen phone, we had a long cord. And so it was a black rotary dial phone on the wall that had a long cord to it. So uh, I was calling mom while I was on hold. The switch was waiting for the switchboard to connect and so forth. I walked over to the back door, looked out the window, and I noticed that our screen porch uh, off the back 
the door was kind of dangling open. I'm like, that's awfully weird. I looked down and noticed there were some flowers in a vase sitting just inside the screen door. And so I just thought, man, that's really odd. Still waiting for mom. And I just kind of began to glance around the kitchen. And I noticed in our kind of window over in the corner had been busted out. And someone had broken into our house. I began to look around before mom got on the phone and noticed there were drawers all open and so forth. And the drawers had been all gone through and so forth. And so as soon as mom came on the phone, I was, by that time I was shaking and told her kind of what I had found. And she said, get out of the house. She said, I'll call your dad. And so they both uh, came home and, and kind of checked out the house and so forth. And fortunately, uh, the, the burglar was gone. Praise God for that. Uh, turned out that the flowers on the back porch were actually somebody had sent. My grandmother just passed away and so forth. But that was just kind of freaky, uh, quite honest with you. In fact, we figured that maybe the burglar was scared off by the doorbell of the flower, flower people who were delivering flowers and so forth. But uh, they were already gone. But it's just kind of a weird feeling. I don't know if you've ever been burglarized before. Um, it's a really weird feeling to know that somebody had gone through all of our stuff and gone through our drawers and so forth, and <laughs> probably literally and figuratively there, and so forth. I don't know if, literally in two different ways, you know. Some of you get that and so forth, but uh, what was odd was that they broke into our house and um, there really wasn't much to get, amen? You know, anybody like that, say, come on in. You can have whatever you can find because there's not much here. And so they didn't, they didn't, didn't what any, we didn't have anything valuable really and so forth. Maybe got a couple of things and so forth. But probably the, the most valuable thing that was in the house was some money that uh, my mom, dad had gotten out, of the, uh, gotten out of the bank and was sitting on the dresser, sitting on, I believe, my dad's dresser. But they didn't take it. You know why they didn't take it? They couldn't find it. That's exactly right, Rhonda. Your house may be like this. I don't know. They couldn't find it because there was so much clutter on top and everything. The most valuable thing in the house, probably, money, cash, sitting out, they couldn't find because there was so much clutter. Friends, I tell you this story because I believe our lives are often like that. There is so much clutter going on in our lives sometimes that we cannot find that which is the most important. You know, we fill our lives with all sorts of stuff, don't we? We fill our lives with activities and to-dos and obligations and, and kids' activities and, 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 and organizations and different things like that. And friends, we le- end up leaving out what's most important, relationship with the Lord. Oftentimes, even when we don't intend to. So this morning, here's what I want to do. We are, uh, as, uh, as somebody already said, I believe Pastor Mark already said this, we are, we've come to the end of 2015. I know, that's hard for me to believe too. And me even just saying it that way makes me feel old, okay? Um, and we're getting ready, we're, we're, okay, I'm just going to say it, this is how we say it. I know we've got some visitors here from Georgia and so forth. Uh, we're fixing to go into 2016, all right? We're fixing to do that. Uh, we're going into 2016. And so I want to give you a couple things here this morning. I want us to kind of uh, examine our lives, evaluate some things this morning. I want to give you two warnings and a challenge. All right. I know normally we pastors like to have three things that all fit nicely and so forth. But this morning it didn't. It's two warnings and a challenge. All right. So look at your outline this morning. Number one. First thing I want to, uh, warning I want to give you is this, friends. Uh, we need to beware of distractions in our lives. 
We need to beware of distractions in our lives. You know, our lives are just filled with busyness, aren't they? Busy, 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 busy. One thing to another, we're just flitting around and so forth. And I don't know if you are like me, but I am easily distractible. It is a purity miracle that I'm able to stand up in front of you every Sunday and preach without being distracted. Uh, I'll tell you, that's, it's a miracle of God. I am a very distractible person. My wife will tell you that. In uh, times, it, <laughs> yeah, see, you heard the amen. I didn't even know she was in here. At times, I will be talking, and somebody will distract over here and distract over there. And she likes to say, you know how when the computer just has that little symbol that goes loading, loading, loading? If I get distracted, that's kind of what happens to my brain. It's loading, 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 and it just doesn't want to continue to go. But friends, with all the busyness in our lives and in our world and the stuff that we pack it with, distractions are a real danger. We see that in our text today. We're going to look at Luke chapter 10 a short passage, five simple verses uh, about an interaction that Jesus had with a couple of folks, a couple of ladies that uh, became really good friends of his. So look in Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 38. It says, now as it happened, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. Now, elsewhere, we know that the village or the town that uh, he was in was Bethany. It's where where Martha lived, and it says, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So here Jesus enters into Bethany, and and we don't know how well he knew uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. If you remember, that's uh, this is Martha. We're gonna find out in a minute. She has a sister named Mary, and this is the Martha and Mary that had the brother Lazarus, whom Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, they became very good friends of Jesus, and Jesus spent a lot of time in their home. Uh, throughout his ministry, and uh, I believe probably uh, he spent holidays with them. Uh, They just kind of were one of those families that he was close to. It says, uh, Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So the implication here is that Martha had invited Jesus into her home. He came into town. Jesus, yeah, come on, stay with us, be with us. And, and, and Mary and Martha and probably Lazarus too love to sit around and hear Jesus talk and teach. And as word spread and they told their neighbors and told their neighbors and stuff, I imagine that they weren't the only ones here in our text today, but they probably invited others and they had heard that Jesus was there. And so probably a small crowd had begun to gather at their home as Jesus was teaching. And it was custom that Mary and Martha would sit along with all the others. They would sit and uh, they would hear Jesus teach. But look at verse 40. Verse 40 says that while this time, while Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, it says, but Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted. The word here means that she was preoccupied. Uh, her mind was, was, was filled with other things. It says, we're going to find out here in a minute exactly what, she, what, what her mind was, what she was distracted by, but she was running here and there. She was, you know, taking care of this and taking care of that, and she was making sure all the guests, she was kind of what I would call in a tizzy. <laughs> Ever been in a tizzy, you know? Uh, and so you're just running around trying to make sure everything's taken care of, and she was kind of worked up. While Mary was sitting and listening to Jesus, Martha was running around trying to make sure that all of her guests were taken care of and that the party was running smoothly. Now, I I would tend to guess that some of you here this morning can really relate to Martha. 
All right. How many Marthas do we have here this morning? Okay. Wow. Quite a few. All right. Quite a few. I notice a lot of you are moms. Okay. All right. In fact, I, I won't mention who. I was talking with somebody this morning out in the hallway, and they were talking about how uh, their wife was was making sure had to you know make sure everything's clean you know and make sure all the stuff's done and fixed because you have all these people over for the holidays and so forth and that was kind of Martha some of you understand exactly where Martha's coming from you're a doer right and you can't leave things undone if people come over to your house it's got to be cleaned right somebody's got to make sure things run smoothly somebody's got to make sure you know punch doesn't just make itself right (laughs) unless you got Jesus then it can make itself but that's (laughs) That's a different story, all right? But somebody's got to get things done. Somebody's got to... And friends, if that's what you're thinking, I get it. You're a doer, and that's your mindset. I I, I kind of fall into that category. Uh, Martha was doing what she thought was necessary. But in so doing, friends, I want you to notice what the Scripture says. Martha was doing what she thought she needed to be doing, but what the Scripture says is that Martha was distracted, What was she distracted from? She was distracted from being with Jesus. You know, like Martha, I believe we can get distracted by all sorts of stuff in our lives today. Uh, Some good things, some bad things, some things that are just natural parts uh, of life. There was a study done several years ago that uh, sought to determine how much of our lives we, um, how much of our lives we do certain activities. And so out of, uh, they kind of based it off of a 70 year old person. Okay. So if you live to 70 years old, okay. Uh, they determined how much of your life, the average person would spend doing certain activities. How, how much time out of 70 years do you reckon, uh, you would spend sleeping? A lot. Yeah. 24 years. About 24 years of your life. By the time you get to 70, you will have spent, added all up, 24 years of your life asleep. (laughs) Talk about sleeping beauty. That's kind of a a good little while there, right? And if you think about it, it makes sense. Eight hours a day is about a third of a day, and that's about a third of of your lifespan. Uh, But uh, if you live 70 years, uh, you would spend about 14 years working, about six years eating, some maybe more, um, <laughs> about eight years in, in, in various amusements, having fun, hobbies, those kind of things. Uh, this sounds a little high to me, but about five years in a car, uh, about four years talking. Now, I do have to say, for some of you, that may be considerably more. Uh, I will not make any mention and so forth, and so you're going to have to sleep less if you plan on talking more, Okay. <laughs> Three years of that uh, in education, two years studying and reading, and another four years, uh, the other, le- four years left in various other miscellaneous pursuits. And the reason I mention all of this is because of that last category of the four years of other things, guess what falls into that category? Our time with the Lord. And so, listen, if you just are, let's say you're, you're, you're a good average Joe Christian here in America, and you go to church every week, you come to worship service, hour, hour and a half every week, and um, you spend five minutes a day in prayer and devotion, okay? We're going to assume you don't miss any days, all right? But so if you, one time a week, every, every week you go to church, you don't miss five minutes a day, guess how much of that 70 years you will have spent with the Lord? 
Ten months. That's all. Ten months. Let's give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that you also go to Sunday school or connect group, and you also go to a Bible study during the week, and every now and then you throw in a 30-minute power devotional. (laughs) Still, we're less than two years of your 70. Now, the reason I share all that with you is this, friends. You see why I hope that it's so important that we don't get distracted from our relationship with the Lord. Listen, it's because we spend so little time with him already. Amen? So my question for you this morning is this. What are you allowing to distract you from your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, That's my first warning. Beware of distractions. The second warning kind of flows right out of that. And really probably could be the same warning, but... We preachers have to have three points. And so, number two is this, friends. Some of the biggest distractions are often caused by good things. You know, we think, when we think of distractions, we think of the fact that, um, you know, we, we, we're, we're off living for ourselves and we're doing things we shouldn't be doing and all this kind of stuff, friends. And, and can those things be a distraction? Absolutely they can. Okay, I'm not discounting that. Absolutely they can. But, but for most people here this morning, that isn't the biggest distraction you have. The biggest distraction you have are good things. I want you to notice what Martha was distracted by. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. She was distracted with serving. It, this, it wasn't like she was distracted and off doing drugs. It wasn't like she was distracted and, and doing something bad. Friends, she was serving. She was concerned that everyone had enough coffee, that the chip bowls were full, that the, the dip hadn't run out, that all the guests were taken care of, right? And that's not a bad thing. If you think about it, hers was a legitimate concern, especially if you're a doer, right? Pastor, somebody's got to get it done. Somebody's got to take care of those things. Right? And that's what Martha was thinking. In fact, friends, some would say not only was she not doing, was what she was doing not wrong, that it was, it was the desirable thing. That's what Martha thought. She was being considerate. She was being, what she was doing was being noble. And that's why she went to Jesus and look at what she said. So she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. So here's Martha, running, getting drinks, getting, getting, getting more crackers and cheese and all the stuff that you get at a party. And Mary is sitting there not doing a dadgum thing. How in the world can she sit there, Martha's thinking, when I'm running around and I'm running myself ragged, making sure everybody has what they need and so forth. And she, all Mary's doing is just sitting there listening to Jesus. And so Martha pleads her case to Jesus, hoping, not just hoping, but expecting him to do something about it. Listen, here's the thing. Martha expected Jesus to take her side. Jesus, can you believe Mary's just sitting there? She's not doing anything. This is her home too. We're the, we're, we're the host here and all she's doing is sitting there and I'm running around doing all the stuff. Listen, she thought that, Martha thought that what she was doing was best and that Mary was the one who was distracted. But here's the interesting thing. 
What the scripture says here is that not that Mary was the one who was distracted, friends, but that Martha was the one who was distracted. And actually, that what Mary was doing was what was best. You know, I believe it's very easy for us to get confused about what we should be doing in our lives. It's very easy to get confused. You know, the most difficult choices that we have to make are not between uh, the good and the bad right? But I believe the most difficult choices we have to make are between what's good and what's best. You see, most of us don't struggle with with decisions like, should I go to church or rob a bank? (laughs) Probably didn't even cross your mind this morning, right? (laughs) If it did, you are in the right place, though. I will tell you, you made the right choice. And most of us aren't, aren't, aren't deciding things like, should I read my Bible or do meth? Most of us deal with questions, decisions like, I have some free time. Do I, do I check my email or do I pray for my friend who needs help? Do I, do I stay late at work to finish this project or do I leave now to make it to my kid's ball game? Do I, do I go to Bible study or do I get some well-needed rest? Do I, do I catch up on my laundry or do I do my quiet time? None of those are bad things. Uh, But those are the type of decisions we struggle with, friends. Here's the thing we need to understand. Most of the things that distract us from the Lord are not bad things. They're not bad things. In fact, most of them are good things. They're things like our kids' activities, right? Having our kids do this and this and this and this. And uh, maybe, maybe it's not just kids' activities, but maybe it's activities we're involved in. You know, Zumba and, 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 and whatever else you, were, you, know, you, you may have chosen to do and so forth. Or being involved in PTA and different organizations and so forth. You know, uh, sometimes our, our, the distractions are simply our massive to-do list. I've got to get this done. 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 Listen, have you gotten to the point yet in your life where you realize you're never going to get it all done? <laughs> you know, I like to check off all the boxes and have it done and put it away. But listen, the to-do list is ever running. I'm learning that. And, and, you know, those are the types of things that distract us. It's the pressure to be involved in everything. Those are the distractions. It, sometimes it's even serving, just like Martha. Now listen. I'm not against serving. I think we need to serve. Amen? I'm not against any of those things. I'm not against kids' activities. I'm not against you being involved in PTA and whatever else you may be involved in. Friends, these are not bad things. They're actually good things. But if we're not careful, even good things can take away from our relationship with the Lord. Father and daughter... We're very close. In fact, they were, they were so close, they spent a lot of time together. They would sit and talk for hours. They would, they would go on walks together, just the two of them. Everywhere Daddy went, she wanted to be with him. Until one day, he noticed a change. If he went for a walk, she all of a sudden began excusing herself from going. If he asked her if she wanted to sit and talk, she said, Dad, I've got stuff to do. And so his heart sank. He didn't understand. Unfortunately, this sudden change 
in her behavior went on for several months. Him being silently grieved all the while. What had happened? Why was his little, little girl suddenly so distant? Had, she, had his little girl all of a sudden started to grow up and left him behind? Friends, he was at a loss for what was going on and why she didn't want to spend time with him anymore. Till finally one day he discovered what had happened. You see, it was his birthday. And his daughter, on his birthday, presented him and surprised him with a brand new handmade sweater. You see, what had happened all those times when she had excused herself and said she couldn't talk and couldn't go on a walk, friends, was that she was working on this sweater so diligently that she was making for her dad. The father looked at his little girl, looked at the sweater, and said, Honey, it is beautiful. I love it. You did an awesome job, and I appreciate it so very much. But next time, would you just buy the sweater? I'd rather have you than anything you can make me. Now, friends, making her dad a sweater wasn't wrong. It wasn't a bad thing. But what did the dad cherish? Cherish the relationship. Listen, we need to be about our father's business. We need to be serving the Lord. We need to be serving others. There's things that we have to do in our life. I get that. But friends, if we do all those things at the expense of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we have missed the boat. Friends, that leads us right into number three. I've given you two warnings. I want to give you a challenge to end this morning. And here it is. It's nothing earth-shattering, friends. It's nothing you don't already know. You know, sometimes it's not that we learn new information. It's that we're reminded of information, old information, that we're not applying. So number three, the challenge for you is this, friends. What is needed most is for us to simply spend time with the Lord. What is needed most is for us to simply spend time with the Lord. I want you to look at how Jesus responds to Martha. Remember, Martha's defending herself. She's actually saying, Jesus can't believe Mary's just sitting there doing nothing. Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Verse 41 says this, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Remember, she's flitting all around everywhere. She's in a tizzy. Martha, you're worried with this, that, and the other. Verse 42 says, But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. It, what Jesus is saying here is not that what Mary's chosen is good and what Martha was doing was bad. It, it's that, that what Mary was doing is that good part, that, that which is beneficial, that which is truly useful. It is, it's, it's the idea of the best good. You see, Martha thought she was doing the most important thing. She thought that taking care of, uh, of, 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 of her guests and serving them was what uh, Jesus would have wanted her to do, friends. But what Jesus said was that Mary, what Mary was doing was just sitting and communing and being with Jesus was what was more important. You see, friends, for Martha, serving the guest had become more important than the guest himself. 
Friends, there are a lot of good things we can be doing. There's a lot of good stuff that we can be involved in. But friends, there is nothing more important and nothing that God wants more, friends, for us to sit and spend time with him and listen to him and let him speak to us. Amen? So, as we come to the end of 2015 and we get ready to step into 2016 here in just a few days, here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you to kind of take inventory of your life. You know, this is the time of year um, that a lot of companies take inventory. Uh, things are kind of slow at Christmas time, right before the new year. They want to know how much, uh, how many widgets they have and how many parts they have to go into the new year and for tax purposes and all that kind of stuff. So they take inventory of what they have on their shelves. What a better time for us to take inventory of what's going on in our lives. Amen. So I want to challenge you to set aside at least one hour this week to do just that. To simply get alone with God and ask God, what distractions are there in your life that are keeping you from being with him like you need to be? Whether, listen, whether they're good or bad, I need to ask what bad things are in my life that I need to get, get rid of, I need to confess and, 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 and own up to and get, get out of my life. And, and even what good things are in my life that are maybe good, but they're not the best. I want to challenge you with that. I want to challenge you to just evaluate your life and, and, and see what are the things in your life that are not the best things that are going to help you in your relationship with God. Dr. Howard Pope tells the story of a young lady who, who read a book and subsequently pronounced it the dullest book she'd ever read. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've read a few books like that. Amen? That I would pronounce dull, boring, don't ever want to read them again. Not long after this young lady read read this book, she met a young man, fell in love with him, and the two of them got engaged. One evening, they were sitting around talking, and she said, you know, this is the funniest thing. She said, you're not going to believe this, and this is just kind of ironic. I don't even know what to think about this, but, but, but I have a book on my shelf written by, written by a man who has the exact same name as you do. And the funny thing is, he even has the exact same initial that you do. Isn't that a strange coincidence, she said to him. He laughed just a little bit. He said, yeah, he said, it would be, except for the fact that I did write that book. They continued to talk and chuckled about that a little while. After her fiance left later that evening, she couldn't get that book out of her mind. How could the man that she had fallen in love with, that she loved so much, and that she found so charming, write such a boring book? <laughs> so she went, went to her shelves and she searched her shelves. Finally, she found the book. She grabbed it, took it off her shelf, sat down and started reading the book. Except for this time, she couldn't put it down. It was so interesting. It was so uh, intriguing. 
that she ended up staying up all night until she finished the whole book. Now, what was the difference? How did this book that before when she read it had been so boring all of a sudden become so interesting and intriguing? Friends, it became interesting and intriguing because the difference was she now not only knew but loved the author. And everything she read was like the, the, the words jumped off the page. Now, I know a lot of people who said, I've read the Bible from cover to cover, and I don't see anything special about it. Maybe you know a few people like that, too. I want to challenge you to first come to know the one who wrote it. Friends, you're not going to... You're not, the words of this book are not going to leap off the page. Now, is there enough here for you to come to know Christ? Absolutely. God's word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces to the division of soul and spirit. But friends, when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you surrender your life to Almighty God, friends, the words of this book leap off the page. They speak to your soul. They convict us of where we are wrong, and they lead us and guide us in the paths of righteousness. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Number one, we're going to do a little exercise right now, okay? I'm going to ask you, if you are here and you have your calendar with you or your smartphone or your tablet or your personal electronic device to take it out right now, if you, don't have, if you have a calendar in your pocketbook or in your wallet, take that out. Guys, if you don't have a smartphone on you and you don't have your calendar with you, I just want you to take the outline that I had this morning, grab your wife's lipstick, something to write with, okay? And I want you to just, we're going to just take a, just a moment here. I want you to just, just take a moment, and I want you to think about what time this week. I want you to set aside one hour this week to get alone with God and to evaluate where you are in your life spiritually. So pull out your phone. Okay, put the plus button, put it in, in into, into your, 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 your calendar, all right? If you don't have that, just write it down. Listen, I understand you may need to change that later if you don't have your calendar with you, whatever. But I just want you, when, when is the time this week that you think you're free that you could take that hour and spend with the Lord? Then here's what I want you to do. For your to-dos during that, first is this. Just ask the Lord to show you what in my life is distracting me from my relationship with God. What in my life is distracting me from my relationship, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, whatever. What in my life and listen, here's what I'd encourage you to do. I just encourage you whether, don't wrestle with it too much. Just whatever God brings to your mind, just put it down. You can struggle with it later, discuss it with your spouse, what have you. Here's the second thing I want you to do. Is how do I need to reorganize re my priorities to make spending time with God of the priority it needs to be?
Maybe you're here this morning and you've never really gotten this book because you've really never come to know the author. Can I summarize for you? He loves you. He loves you so much that even though we have sinned and rebelled against him, he sent his son. That's why we celebrate Christmas, to become a man, to live a sinless life, to die on a cross, pay the penalty for your sins and for mine. He rose from the dead to prove that he was who he said he was, that he can give us new life now and forevermore. And if you invite him into your life and into your heart, you too can come to know him, have a relationship with Almighty God, the one who wrote this book. So I want to invite you, friends, if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you do that this morning? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I realize that who, who you are and what you've done for me, and I accept that as truth and receive you as the Lord, the boss, the Savior of my life. Listen, if that's a decision you'd like to make this morning, I just invite you to pray, ask God into your life, and then come share that with us. We want to celebrate with you. Maybe you're here this morning, and just in this little exercise we've had this minute, you realize, you know what, Pastor, there are some priorities I need to reorganize in my life. There are some things that I need to, maybe not bad things, but just good things that, Pastor, I've been putting too high, and I've been, been, I've been spending not much time with the Lord. And maybe you want to just come to the altar here in a few minutes, and you just want to do business with God. Maybe you want one of us to pray with you. Just come, just grab us. Mark is going to be down here. I'll be here. Listen, let's just go into 2016 with our lives and our hearts right with God. Amen? Whatever you need to do to respond to that. Maybe now's the time you've made a decision. You will become part of, the, of Southside Baptist Church. And you want to make that known. Whatever it is, friends, would you come? Let's stand together. Pastor Brendan has already slipped up behind me. Good. As he leads us.